0: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community, on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking.
1: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Scott Levine from H.S. Law Firm. Before we get to this week's episode, though, I want to introduce my sponsors. First, Synchrony HR and NWO IT Services. And now, to this week's episode with Scott Levine. Scott Levine, welcome to the STLers podcast. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Well, we've known each other
1: quite a few years, and I uh, we had reconnected a little while ago, and I thought, well, I'd love to have you on. You're definitely an STL leader and would love to kind of share your story. So why don't we kind of start in the beginning? Why don't you talk to us about growing up and what made you decide to get into law?
0: Uh, that's a great question. I don't you know, I don't think there'd be a whole lot in my childhood that would indicate I'd be a, be heading into this profession. I, I think, um, you know, I kind of consider myself more of an entrepreneur than a lawyer. I think most of the people that work with me and my clients probably would agree, um, you know, so maybe there's not an obvious link, but um, you know, like, am I destined to be a lawyer? You know, I'm, I'm a business lawyer. I work for entrepreneurs. My firm has grown up over the years we just had our 20th anniversary, it's grown up you know, supporting entrepreneurs. Um, So I think that I I probably developed more of an entrepreneurial spirit in my childhood than a, you know, traditional become a lawyer spirit. That makes sense. Yeah, for Uh, sure. But, you know, owning a law firm isn't just about practicing law. It's really about, you know, running a business and supporting your team and, you know, embracing core values and trying to grow an organization.
1: Absolutely. Well, talk to me about maybe your childhood. What do you think led you to wanting to be an entrepreneur?
0: You know, I, I read something recently. Um the percentage of entrepreneurs that are the youngest uh sibling is like 80%. And I'm about 50% sure that's what it said. Um <laughs> but, but notionally, you know, we're kind of we're given the most amount of freedom, you know, our our parents maybe, you know, uh over worried with our siblings and realize that you know you can give your kids more freedom and They're not going to hurt themselves or others necessarily. And um, I think that happened to me. I think that I was given more freedom to um, uh, create and, um, you know, given more freedom, just period. And I think when you grow up with that uh, sense of entitlement is not the right word, although my siblings would say that, Um, (laughs) that sense of like being able to, um, you know, uh, that, that. You can create options for yourself that uh, are unlimited. Um, I, I think that's that's in part what I experienced growing up, and I think that kind of led me to the idea that I could, you know, start a business, grow a business. You know, um, yeah, I think you know. So I, I did enjoy, you know, it was always trying to hustle and you know selling candy in grade school or you know um, trying to you know create things that had value to other people. Uh, cause that would give me a sense of satisfaction and, you know, maybe some income. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, tell us, uh, for those who don't know, tell us about your law firm.
0: Yeah. So Aegis Law is a company I started literally 20 years ago this month. Um, congratulations. I, I had been practicing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we made it. Um, <laughs> I I'm still, you know, no one's here. There's no, like, you know, there was no trophy when I went to the office today, um, <laughs> but you know we we uh, we um the idea when I started the firm was, and this is twenty years ago, um that the industry was sort of ripe for innovation that there were prior to that time when I was coming out of law school and the years leading up to that, I mean if you wanted to do work you really needed to be in a large firm with a lot of resources and. Those firms you know, are sort of traditionally structured partnerships um, and you know that that wasn't for me. I wasn't sort of destined to be in that in that world. Um, they still exist, obviously, and um, they do really well servicing their clients, and their clients tend to be larger organizations that need you know um, the depth of resources that a large firm with many, many, many lawyers has can provide but i I, sen- I sense that with technology and um particularly here in st louis the the emerging ecosystem of early stage companies there was an opportunity to you know provide the service in a different environment than you would traditionally find it and that the, you know on the one hand that attracted clients to the firm and on the other side it attracted lawyers to the firm who wanted to work in a different environment that wasn't you know that, that had different expectations than um, the traditional large law firm was just the traditionally structured law firm. We were able to use technology to, you know, um, lower the cost of our operation and time that, that's kind of served our, us well. It's allowed us to grow the firm and um, into multiple cities. And um, that's kind of, you know, still the core, you know, idea that we can we can create a distributed model to attract lawyers um, at any stage of their career and give them the work-life harmony that they're looking for and um, perhaps giving them a better place to to practice than they previously um, had experienced.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like a unique and awesome model. Tell me, you know, when you started the firm 20 years ago, what did you what would you have said were some of the challenges, you know, to start a firm and practice like as you have, um, and how did you overcome those? What were some of the things that were critical to
0: overcoming those? Well, I've always had a do and react kind of mentality when it comes to um, life and business. You know, the um, I'm not a sort of traditional planner. Strategic planning, I, I think, has so much value. It just hasn't been, um, you know, something that I've relied on. Uh, and and when you don't have a plan. Um, you know it's sort of a two steps forward one step back uh reality uh in life i guess and in business and so you know not really knowing anything about business and you know how to manage cash flow and manage employees how to manage partners um you know how to manage clients uh all the and do it all at once you know as you're growing right uh there's just you know yeah that that I wouldn't say it was a mistake. I don't know that I could have done it differently. Um, and I would have done it differently knowing what I know now, but that's just not how life works, right? <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. We can't sometimes we can't look back. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, none of the none of the mistakes were fatal. Um and um, you know, um hopefully um we we've um you know, just getting to twenty years is a estimate to how we've, you know, try to honor our core values and um, our clients and the people that have you know, decided to make their practice with us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about COVID. I know COVID impacted law firms and courts and all that for, for quite a while. Uh, I know we've kind of put COVID behind us here a little bit, uh, but talk to me about during that period of time, how you guys were impacted and then really how you guys led as a firm.
0: Yeah, you know, when it happened, we all panicked. Everyone did. Every in every profession, especially small businesses. Um I had, you know, been running my business for a few years when the you know, 07 08 financial crisis happened and I think a lot of people who had been through that experience felt like, okay, here we go again. You know, right. We're about to um you know, experience a um a downturn quickly um and are we prepared for it? And so there's a lot of focus on you know what businesses do to kind of bat the hatches, so to speak, and and um, in our profession, in our, in our business in particular, we had already had a virtual. We were set up for lawyers to work virtually, even though we have physical space in a few cities. A lot of lawyers chose to uh, had chosen to work virtually prior to the pandemic, or at least in a hybrid way, and and so that from a technology standpoint, we were kind of ready. It didn't take much um, for the firm to support what was happening it, i mean of course at an individual level level everyone had to kind of you know make that transition uh quickly but you know we we uh we were ready um and what we learned you know i think most law firms learn this we we have a most law firms are you know have more work than they can do it's just, it is just sort of a testament to the profession there's a lot of demand for what we provide and um you know we're just we're lucky uh in a way to to have clients that rely on us regularly and so that didn't that didn't change that increased the other thing that happened is we sent uh, a large group of highly productive you know people with very strong work ethics home and so instead of you know spending time commuting and spending time you know kibitzing over coffee and lunches and Like all the things that we do professionally that we couldn't do anymore or didn't do anymore for a period of time, you know, we, we, those people that sort of substituted that time largely with work. And so our productivity went up, our, um, revenue went up. I mean, these are things that just kind of happened. Um, you know, um, I mean, we we were able to, um, yeah, we, we weathered the, the, the challenge that existed and then, I think over time, even to now, to this day, I think most service firms, you know, lawyers sort of became more productive. And that's why yeah. people aren't returning to the office as quickly. It's not just because they want to work in their pajamas, it's because they, they value, <laughs> you know, they, they have a new appreciation for the value of their time.
1: Yeah, well, for sure. and I think even I think. Even some people have realized just it, it creates a better work life balance for them, and what that I think that what that brings is, you know, more to your to your point, more productivity when they are working. Um, but it you know allows them to be happier maybe in the role that they're in. And so, uh, I know for us uh, here at Synchrony HR, we. You know, we were fully remote for a, little, for a little while, and then we went to kind of a hybrid model. And to be honest, we're still in a hybrid model. We're still, you know, I, I go in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I work from home Mondays and Fridays. Um, and so um, I think it's given a lot of people a better work-life balance. But I would agree that the productivity for most people went up. Obviously, there's going to be some outliners there. But uh, for the most part, it, it definitely increased. And so um, that's good that you guys were able to kind of navigate through that and pivot out of that. Uh, I know you, uh, as I know, like I said, I've known you for years, but I always admire your leadership, uh, at your organization and what you've been able to do. So tell me a little bit about your leadership, how you learned to be such an effective, uh, leader. Um, obviously we, I, you know, I see you out and about all the time networking and, and getting your firm out there, but where did you learn that? How did you learn to be such a valuable leader for your firm? You know,
0: um, from a networking standpoint, um, I was just taught by my, my actually my father um sort of led by example. I mean, he, he was all about relationships and and the importance of having relationships and you know the reality that if anything ever went sideways in life, you you have your relationships to that you, you know, people that you've learned from and you cared cared about. Um, you know, I, I remember a story he told me where he would um he, he was in the construction business, he built hospitals and Um, for a very large corporation and and he would um you know he he would jump on a plane um to go when he heard about a project in seattle a big project at university for example um he he would jump on a plane and 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 message the chancellor or whoever was making some decisions that you know he he was going to be in town was he free you know they're free for lunch and and he would sit for two hours and talk about the other person's life experience not business not projects He, he just always realized that if I create relationships the opportunities would come there's never someone that was into to selling and I never I never forgot that and I, I try to teach that to the lawyers in my firm it's not not easy because it's not always intuitive but you know we, we were not in the features and benefits sales business right we we create relationships so that we can be there when needs arise and um that's that's kind of how I've how the firm grew originally it's how we've attracted lawyers and um yeah so so sort of being Um, just an advocate and ally for the people, the success of the people in your lives in your life is, is kind of the way we've grown the business. And truthfully, COVID was no exception. When, when COVID hit, we kind of said, well, we need to lean into it. We can't run from it. We have to sort of be seen as, as um, you know, experts and thought leaders and, you know, and, and, you know, so that our clients can continue to rely on us. And they did, you know, as, as questions came up and complicated decisions need to be made, you know, um, we were there for them. We, we did our uh, our podca- uh, podcast, our webinars, and had regular check-ins with our clients and, you know, created a speaker series that blew up into a, a national thing that was kind of a worldwide kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, so I think just finding opportunities to stand out, finding opportunities to be relevant, be helpful, um, you know, that's what, as you know, when you're networking, you're a marketing person that does a lot of networking the right way. I mean, create the relationships and, and um and I think the the good up good things will flow your way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you, the key there was relationships, right? I think um as I've to your point, I've been doing I've been networking and in the St. Louis business community for, you know, several years. And I uh, I take the approach that you know, I don't really care who you are or what you do or, you know, how you can help me. I I always meet with people just to see how I can help them. It doesn't matter what role they have or where they're coming from or who introduced me to them. Um, because you just never know who that person is and, you know, Mm -hmm. who you can meet and what friendship could come out of it or what relationship could come out of it or, you know, what business could come out of it. Randy, if you just take that mindset that, you know, I'm taking this meeting to see if I can help them instead of, well, what can this person do for me? I think it, it definitely pays off in the long run in so many different facets. And I, you know, admire that you've you've done that over the years, even with me and when we first met, you know, years ago. But, um, you know, someone like you, you and your role, you have a lot, a lot more limited time than somebody like me in my role just because of the nature of what you do. But I've always admired that about you always made, made time for networking. And I, you know, I got to assume that's a, a big piece of the success that you and your firm has had. Um, talk to me a little bit about EO. I know we were in EO for a while together and, uh, I know a lot of your friends and, you know, relationships and networking partners are, you know, come from that EO world. Yeah. Tell me when you joined EO, what was the reason to join EO and just tell, you know, if people are listening to this episode, I, we've had many guests who are in EO, which stands for entrepreneur organization. Um, but just talk to me a little bit about your, your experience there.
0: Yeah. So I'm just wrapping up my I I was the uh, volunteer president for the local chapter this past year and so I'm sort of peaking in my experience in some ways or at least I, I always have felt that way and although it always seems to feed me so EO is a global non organization with 18,000 members worldwide. St. Louis has one of the oldest and largest chapters in the world um, and so we have this rich um, alumni of of members who have moved on, sold their businesses that offer mentorship, that support our chapter and in ways that other chapters in the world can't. And, you know, so in a, in a sense, we, we meet regularly. I have a forum that I've been meeting with for almost nine years. We meet once a month for four hours and share our experience on business and, and personal. And, um, you know, that becomes a point of accountability for for me and my forum mates and it sort of become my, my closest uh, confidants. Um, we have a learning calendar where we, you know, bring in speakers and provide opportunities for learning um, throughout the year. Um, and then, of course, it's a global organization, so the same thing happens on the regional level and the global level. There's just so many resources brought um, to support this idea that, you know, if if you're willing to, in a place to learn and grow, um, there's a community of people and an infrastructure that's going to make it happen. Um, again, it's a nonprofit, so we run it there you know we have uh two employees but for the most part we have a volunteer board of around 18 or so members of the 175 that belong uh locally and every every year they're responsible for administering every aspect of the organization it's fascinating you know so as a result people feel very committed to the organization they feel very you know um uh they evangelize membership. I'm sure you've heard that from others that oh, yeah, it, 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 oftentimes most would say that joining EO was among the most consequential decisions they've ever made. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm no different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we've had, like I said, we've had several guests on this show um, that have been a part of EO and, it's definitely, you know, you talk to somebody who's been a part of it, and to your point, most people will say that it was the best thing they ever did for their business. It really changed the outcome of their business. And I think what's so important about EO is just the to your point, the forum, the peer group, uh, where you guys collaborate, you know, a half day and and talk about things that are going on in the business and, and you know, assisting each other with those types of things. And obviously it's all confidential, but I think you know, just being able to bounce ideas and have people who are in similar positions of running organizations to be able to talk through challenges that a small business is having, I think is is extremely critical. But I think what I've noticed about EO, and obviously I'm not in it anymore, but uh, from what I've noticed when I was a part of it, was just the bond that most of the your fellow EO uh, members have. Uh, the, it just seems like to me that those that are in EO, you know, become not only your your partners in some aspect, but you become friends. Um, and that, that bond is very noticeable to to an outsider like myself, uh, from, you know, where that came from. So I just think it's a great organization. Anytime I can have a chance to plug it and share that on this show, I absolutely do. So, so I appreciate you kind of sharing your insight there with us. Awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: Scott. Yeah, Scott, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. Uh, and so that could be really on anything. It could be on business, Personal anything,, um, but if you could leave us with one piece of advice, what would it be?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this lately um i, I try to approach every situation, leadership, personal family with authenticity, you know show up at, you know I think success comes in life um when you can um be authentic and try to find uh situations and surround yourself with people that realize your strengths and your weaknesses and you know challenge you to you know um be authentic as opposed to um something you're not
1: yeah absolutely couldn't couldn't agree more with that i mean that obviously comes out uh, as I've known you for years, but just being an authentic person and and trying to help others and and just do the right thing it's it's extremely important and so I appreciate you reminding us of that and sharing that piece of advice with us today and so on behalf of myself and the STLers podcast I appreciate you know what you've done for our community here in St. Louis and continue to do for our community here in St. Louis and just being a great STL leader. Awesome. Thank you.